Today, we celebrate the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the King. And when we think of a king, we probably think of huge palaces, many servants, crowns of gold, splendid clothes, lots of people eager to please him or to do his will. We probably think of someone like King Charles III, who recently took the throne in England, Or maybe we would think of someone like King David from our first reading. Someone who has a palace, has a lot of people eager to have him lead, who's been successful in battle, and a charismatic person drawing people to himself. And yet, our gospel passage gives us a different image of Christ our King. Instead, we hear about the crucifixion. We hear about Christ on the cross and what happened to him at the last moments of his life. It's kind of strange. At least it might seem that way, initially looking at it. It's very different than what we would probably think of when we think of a king. He doesn't seem very kingly there on the cross. He doesn't seem like he's being victorious in battle or, or wealthy or having lots of people follow him. Just a few of his followers are there at the foot of the cross. He's got a crown of thorns instead of one of gold. He's being teased and ridiculed by many people. And yet this is the image that we have. Christ is our king, but he's a servant king. One who cares more about us than he does about himself. He shows us that by dying on the cross. For many people, if we had the power to stop ourselves from being brutally beaten and killed, we probably would. And since Jesus is God, he certainly could have stopped it from happening. But he allowed it because he was going to do something even better. He was going to bring about the salvation of the world. Because he loves us more than he loves his own life. And Jesus says, no one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he is a victorious king. He has a victory over death. Death could not keep him down. He defeated death by dying, as crazy as that sounds, because he was raised from the dead using his own power. In our second reading, we heard that he's the firstborn of the dead, the first to be resurrected. And Jesus tells us from the Gospel of John, No one takes my life from me, but I have power to lay it down and power to raise it up again. And so, by staying on the cross, he shows an even greater power than if he came down. Because by dying, he can then raise himself from the dead and show that he has power even over death. We know that he has this power because he is God. We know that he is God because, as we heard in many ways in our second reading, but in particular in this phrase, for in him all the fullness was pleased to dwell. That is, the fullness of divinity. All God has to do is will it, and it happens. And so it is with his resurrection. All he has to do is choose for it to happen, and it does. And so he shows us his tremendous power. But he also showed us his tremendous love by his willingness to go through that suffering and death. I remember as a child uh, in school, 
one of the things that was said was, well, how much do you love us, Jesus? And he stretched out his arms. He said, I love you this much. Stretching out his arms to the full extent. And then he died. Meaning he gave up his life on the cross. He loves us so much that he would rather die so that we could have eternal life than for him to continue living and for us to be left separated from him and from the Heavenly Father. And so with this tremendous and awesome love that he has for us, how is it that we choose to respond? When we recognize how much our Lord loves us, going through his passion and his death and his resurrection, constantly pouring himself out for us through the sacraments, giving us the opportunity to receive the grace won for us on the cross, in the sacrament of reconciliation, in Holy Communion, in all those sacraments, how he wants us to be in personal relationship with him in prayer, if we would allow him to, if we made time and space in our hearts and our minds for him, how do we respond to this tremendous and awesome love of God? Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And at first that may sound a little odd, but all of his commandments that he gives us are for our own benefit. Whether it's do this, he's telling us to do it for our own good, or don't do this, he's telling us not to because it's actually bad for us. And we are children, children of God, having received the grace of our Lord in baptism, and he loves us tremendously. But as children, we don't always know what's good for us. Sometimes children ask for odd things. Sometimes they do strange things. Many of you who are parents can probably think of examples from your own children. But like if a child said that they wanted to have ice cream for every meal all the time, then as a good parent, you would say, no, that's not going to happen. That's not actually good for you. And the child may not understand and may complain and may want to do things his or her own way. But our loving Father in heaven, in our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, know us better than we know ourselves. And so they give us these commandments for our own sake, for our own good. They give us these commandments for our own benefit, and so that we can, by following these commandments, show and demonstrate our love to the Lord, but also benefit from doing what's truly good for us. But in addition to the commandments, the Lord wants us to love one another, to love each other, to do good for each other, to demonstrate our love for the Lord by loving him through each other. And we might think, well, what does that look like? How would something like that work? Well, in our gospel passage, we're given an example. Jesus is there dying on the cross making a gift of his own life to the Heavenly Father for the salvation of the whole world. And how is it that the two closest people to him respond? That is, the criminals hanging on his right and on his left. We heard in our Gospel passage, one of them reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. With this first criminal, we see that there's not a love for the Lord, there's a lack of humility, there's a desire for his own earthly life and benefit. There's a questioning of who Jesus is. He's trying to get Jesus, like if you really are the Christ, 
Use your power and save us. Get me off of this cross. Spare my earthly life. There's a selfishness and a worldliness in this criminal. But then we hear from the other one, who said to the first, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. And indeed, we have been condemned justly. For the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. Notice the humility there. He recognizes his faults. He's repentant of it. But he's also doing a spiritual work of mercy. He's admonishing the sinner. He's telling the other criminal that he's wrong. And that Jesus shouldn't be ridiculed or reviled in this way. He's defending our Lord. He's taking what little he has as he himself is dying on the cross next to Jesus. The ability to speak. And he's using it for the sake of the Lord. Revealing his love for the Lord by defending our Lord. And then he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is a tremendous and awesome profession of faith. What's the likelihood that he even knew who Jesus was before he was hanging on the cross with him? And yet somehow he's convinced that despite seeing this man next to him, wearing a crown of thorns, brutally beaten and scourged, somehow he is a king, the king of the Jews. And that even though he's dying on this cross, he will enter into his kingdom. He's convinced of that. And in humility, he asks for what the Lord already wants. That is for him to be with him. That is for his own eternal life. For Jesus wants all of us to be with him forever in heaven. But he's not going to force us to be there. We have to show him our response to the love that he has shown us by loving him in return, by following him as he calls us. And so this criminal, at the last moment of his life, repents of his sins, does a good work of admonishing a sinner, and professes faith and begs the Lord for his mercy. And Jesus responds to him saying, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Again, we see the tremendous and awesome love and mercy of our Lord towards someone who at the very last moment of his life repents of what he has done. And the Lord wishes for all of us to repent, to return to him, to love him in return for the tremendous and awesome love he has shown all of us, not only through his passion, death, and resurrection, but all good things that we experience in our lives are signs of God's love for us. And he wants all of us to follow him, to love him in return, to want to be with him forever. And he wants us to love him back by loving each other, using what little we have for his sake as an expression of love for him, like the repentant thief. So this weekend, we have an opportunity for figuring out how we can better love God back in return by loving each other. In your pews, you may find, uh, or perhaps at the back of the church, um, one of those booklets for stewardship. It lists 75 different groups and organizations at our parish, different ways that we can get involved, different ways that we can love God by loving each other through, by, through these different groups and organizations. Responding to the tremendous and awesome love of our Lord 
giving of our own time and talent to God through each other, through this community of our parish. And so I encourage you to look through the booklet, the stewardship booklet, to take a copy home with you, to look through it, and to consider in what ways you can love God in return for the tremendous love he has given you, picking anywhere from one to three different groups or organizations to get involved with, to express your love to the Lord by loving him through the whole community. So let us consider the best ways that we can respond to the tremendous and awesome love that the Lord has shown us in this next moment of silence as we prepare to encounter love himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, in the most Holy Eucharist.